0: Hey family, this is Joshua Jones. My wife, Lindsay, and I have the honor of being the lead followers of Way Family Church right here in Edmond, Oklahoma. Thank you for taking a minute to tune in. We pray the message gives you a different perspective about Jesus, his gospel, and what living life in his kingdom is all about. Take notes, listen intently, and be blessed. All right, you guys ready for some gospel? All right, what does gospel mean? Good news, right? Literally, the too good to be true good news, but it's true. Did you hear that? Everybody say, too good to be true, true." but it's true true. good news. If what you believe about the gospel is not too good to be true, it's not the gospel. Yeah? So a lot of of people believe in the almost good news. Like what they've been taught is, is almost good news. And uh, the too good to be true good news is this. Um, Jesus has done everything and you do nothing. That's actually what makes it good news. It's not good news if you and I have to do anything. Because you know why? You and I are fickle. You don't believe it? Go wash your car and let a bird poop on it real quick. Watch what happens. You don't believe you're not fickle? Let somebody get you with a fender bender. Run over a nail. Watch how temperamental we can be. <laughs> And you expect us as human beings to be the guardians of our own salvation. Please. right? I always say I can't even keep my wallet and you expect me to keep my own salvation. It ain't happening. That's not good news. Salvation, having me having me to do anything is not good news. I want to share uh, something with you. I, I got a call a couple of days ago from someone that was, um, uh, I, by the way, I give my number out to everybody that asks. So, <laughs> Somebody said, well, why don't senior pastors don't give out their number? I do. So they probably people walking the streets right now that they don't have a place to live, but they got a cell phone. They probably got my number. And so this lady calls me and she's like, "Um, I'm I'm desperately trying to figure out who I am in Christ. My therapist is trying to teach me. She's like, I'm struggling. This is so hard. Somebody told me I should call you. So I'm calling you. And I said, well, well, good, good to see you. Good to hear from you, rather. And We had a conversation about that, and then um, I think it was late last night, Matt sent me a message about identity, too, and I thought, okay, maybe the Lord's actually trying to speak to me about maybe speaking to our body, Um, and so I want to begin to do some of that, and so we've been talking about what it means to be captivated, to be kind of just working our way through the book of Acts, and we'll continue to do that, but I want to make a a divine detour this morning, if I can, and talk about our identity a little bit. Is that okay? All right, so... Um, let me see, uh, Miss Marsha in the back. I really have 37,000 scriptures. I'm not going to give them all to you because uh, you won't like me very well if I do that. Let's just look at, um, 1 Corinthians 1 30. I'm reading from the new King James, by the way, 1 Corinthians chapter one, verse 30, 2 Corinthians 5 17. That's the refrigerator verse. Everybody knows, you know what a refrigerator verse is, right? That's the one that, you know, people don't even love the Lord, got it on their refrigerator, right? That's the bumper sticker Bible verse. Um, Romans 8, 1, Ephesians 1, 3, Ephesians 2, 10, Philemon 1, 6, there's a lot of them. But 1 Corinthians 1, 30, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. 1 Corinthians 1, 30 says this, but of him, everybody say, but of him. By the way, him there's capital. This is really the father. Let me say it this way. This is going to be father, father, God. This is who Jesus called Abba or Papa, but of the father or because of the father or by the father, you are what in Christ Jesus. Watch this. Not of you. Let let me, let me really challenge us. Not because of your prayer. A lot of us, the prayer of salvation that we made up in America is funny to me. We even use our prayer as we have to do this to get something from God. But I'm telling you, it is by grace through faith and that not of yourself, lest any man should boast. A lot of people, you don't even know, but we use our prayer as if it's our own work. Listen, Paul vehemently stands against that in every epistle. But of him, of the Father, you are in Christ Jesus who... Meaning Jesus who became for us wisdom from God, who became for us righteousness from God, and who became for us sanctification and redemption. Why, Paul? That as it is written, verse 31, let him who glories, let him glory in who? You don't get to glory in your prayer. You don't get to glory in your own conduct. You don't get to glory in your own works. You have to glory in the Lord because it was him who did it, not us. Listen. Now, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, the same group of people Paul's writing to, which, by the way, um, I've been to Corinth, and it, it ain't, a lot hasn't changed in the last 2,000 years. The Corinthians were some very, very perverted people. But when you start reading the book of Corinthians, Paul actually says in verse 2 of the chapter 1 of the first book, he says, I'm writing to those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus called to be saints. I'm like, y'all sleeping with your mother-in-law here? And Paul says, y'all sanctified. These are the same people that were getting drunk during communion. He called them sanctified. (laughs) Operating in the nine gifts of the spirit, but extremely carnal. And he called them, and he called them saints. Now, Paul, how can you say that if they weren't living that way? Because he didn't see them based off how they lived. He saw them through the one. Called Jesus, who did it already for them. So we're gonna, make, we're gonna get it. We're gonna, I'm gonna offend some religious people today. It's gonna be so good. I'm telling you. Second Corinthians chapter five, verse seventeen. We got it already on the screen. Look, therefore, if anyone is in Christ Jesus, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. I would love to read all. 2 Corinthians 5 because it is a powerhouse chapter like it it, if I can be honest with you it offends my own religiousness let's look up Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3 and we'll stop there because I got a long way to go in a very short amount of time Ephesians chapter 1 uh, verse 3 now you want to talk about a church to talk about man the church that was located this family in Ephesus was amazing been there too and saw some really unique things we actually saw some they're not porta johns because they didn't have them, but we, they still have toilets that were existing in Paul's day in the same town that Paul, the same streets he would have walked through. Um, it would have been, been like a, a mall of his day. They still have these holes about this big carved out in the stone. No doors, by the way. That's just where you would go sit and you would go relieve yourself. They have a massive, almost like amphitheater there. Like Ephesus would have been an amazing, hustling, bustling city full of life full of culture, full of idols, yet Paul took the gospel there. and This is what Paul says, uh, verse 3. He says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Verse 4, just as this Father or Jesus chose us in Him when before the foundations of the world. Why that we should be holy and without blame before him in love having pre before destined finished I finished you before you got here predestined you <laughs> to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will to the praise of the glory of his grace by which he made us accepted in the beloved hold up I don't got to make myself accepted no that's not good news he made you accepted in the beloved you see it alright this see it I want to talk to you a little bit just about identity um when you think of Jesus Christ don't think of just the son of god because he was that but you have to see Jesus Christ as a representation for all humanity hear what I just said you have to see him that way i wish i would have been taught in church what i'm fixing to teach you You have to see him representing all of humanity. If it was spoken over Jesus, I like this, I like this, I like this, this word here I'm about to give you. If it was true of him, it is to be true of us. If it was true of him, it's to be true of us. Jesus at his baptism by John in the Jordan, he walks into the Jordan River. You remember this very, very well. And he's getting ready to be baptized by John. And actually John, the immerser or the baptizer said, I didn't even know really. Jesus was John's cousin, but he was like, I didn't even really know who Jesus was. I didn't know if he really was or wasn't the Messiah initially. But John says this, but the one who sent me, which is father, the father sent John, said to me, John, the one on whom you see my spirit coming on and remaining, that's him. So Jesus comes to John to be baptized and he baptizes John, John baptizes Jesus, brings Jesus up out of the water, Holy Spirit comes, sets on the shoulder of Jesus, that's the Holy Spirit, the Son of God is coming out of the water, dripping water, that's the Son of God there, and the Father is in heaven and he just can't contain his joy anymore, and he says, this is my beloved Son, in whom I am what? <clears throat> Well-pleased. He didn't say, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. He said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Big big deal here. What had Jesus done for the father to be pleased with him? He hadn't did one miracle. He hadn't preached one sermon. He hadn't raised nobody from the dead. At this point, he hadn't calmed wind or waves down. Come on. He hadn't multiplied fish and bread. He hadn't did nothing for the father to be pleased with. But yet the father says, over you, I'm about to give you your identity. This is my beloved son in whom I'm so pleased. See, I love telling this when my son was born. Um, I held him before my wife did. They brought him to me. And the the first thing I said was, I am so proud of you. I thought he ain't hit a home run. He hadn't spelled, you know, one of his sight words right. You know, you're going to learn about sight words. If you don't, you're going to learn quick. He hadn't did nothing well, but my heart of pleasure was booming Sawyer for him. I was proud of him. Watch this for simply existing. Because my DNA was flowing through him, Matthew. And he didn't even know he was my pleasure, but he was my pleasure. He was my beloved son and in him, I was well pleased. And the father spoke over a son, meaning mainly the son saying, my pleasure is over you. My delight is over you before you do anything. Because I want you to know that your identity in me comes from nothing you do. We are not human doings. Listen, Selah, pause, comment, and think about what you just heard. We are not human doings. We are human beings it is not the do attitudes of christ it is the being attitudes of christ the highest level of anything or the highest state of anything is not doing that thing it's becoming that thing a lot of people can do praise they just don't know how to be one i'm doing the blessed thing no but do you know how to be a blessing The reason so many Christians lack is because they're always trying to do something, to get something, and they don't recognize you are that thing. You are blessed. Watch this. So you never have to go look for another blessing. Anyway. Jesus received his identity from his father before he did anything because the father never wanted him to think that your identity is linked to what you do. You may be a fireman, but a fireman is not who you are. A fireman is what you do. You are a son who is a fireman. You may be an entrepreneur, but an entrepreneur is not who you are. An entrepreneur is something you do. You are a son or a daughter who is an entrepreneur. You may be a stay at home mom or dad, but that is not who you are. That's something that you do. But who you are is a son or daughter who has a son or a daughter. In our culture, we promote doing over being. We actually treat people different based off the job that they have, based off the amount of money they make. I see it in church all the time. And we tell you, if you find out what you're supposed to do, then you'll find out who you are. And we end up putting the do in front of the who, and that is wrong. Let me tell you what you call that, frustrated. Because yeah. you keep thinking, if I, find, and if, I, if I can find the right thing to do, then I'll find out who I am wrong. Your who does not flow out of your do, but your do always flows out of your who. I'm going to say it again. Your who. Who does not flow out of your do, but your do flows out of your who. When you find out who you are, then you'll know what to do. I'm going to go a little step further. When you find out who you are, it doesn't matter what you do. It'll work. It'll work. It'll work. When the father announced over the son, because the son was representation of all the human race in as much as Adam was. Now we have the last Adam. First Corinthians 15 calls Christ the last Adam. The word last there is the word eschatos. It's where we get our term eschatology, end time things. He is the eschatos. He is the last man that they'll ever be. He's not the second Adam or they will be a third and a fourth and a fifth. No, he said, I'm the eschatos Adam. I am the last Adam. And just as the first Adam embodied all humanity and got all humanity in this mess when he sinned, I'm the eschatos Adam. Just because the first Adam came and sinned and brought many under condemnation, I'm coming as the eschatos Adam, and I'm going to lead many to justification. Just as you and I were made sinners because one man sinned, and you didn't have a choice as to whether or not you became a sinner. Now the eschatos comes and says, I'm going to do something so far that supersedes what Adam did. This thing is also greater than your choice. I'm going to put you in me without your choice being involved. Because you are humans, you are fickle. And we make choices based off what feels good to our senses. And where we are in life at the moment. Listen to me. 1 Corinthians 1.30, of the Father you have been put in Christ. Yeah, but I don't feel like it our faith is not built around our feelings entirely, folks. Yeah, but it doesn't look like it. Neither is it built around your senses. I'm telling you, I don't think Jesus felt like hanging on a cross. I don't think he felt like getting whooped. I don't think he felt like letting people pull his beard from his face. I don't think he felt like getting spit on. But he was the eschatos shaping a whole new creation so that now Paul would stand up one day and preach in Corinth in the middle of adulterating Jesus, man. Drunk, nasty attitude, rebellious people saying, I want to tell you the message to those in this place, Corinth, who are saints and those who are sanctified. And they're thinking, this cat does not know us a bit. Preach, preacher. He says, if any man is in Christ Jesus, You are a whole new creation. The question was not if you say the prayer to get put in Christ. That was not the question. Will you see yourself as being in Christ Jesus? Because it's true of you whether you see it or not. But whether it becomes effectual in this lifetime for you depends solely on how you see it. You could tell me, Pastor Josh, we ain't got no food in our house. And you go to town one day, and while you're at town or wherever you're doing, I go to your house, and I sneak, and I fill up the pantry with food. And I call you, and I say, you know what? Saw man. I know you needed some food while you were gone. I went, and I filled all your cabinets up with food. And you say, I don't believe it. <laughs> no, no, man, just go check your cabinets. You're at home. Uh-uh, I ain't going to do it. I don't believe it, man. It ain't. That's too good to be true. Go check your cabinets, man. Why would you do that? I haven't, I haven't done anything good enough for you to do that. J- I'm not doing this because you did something to deserve it. God is a good father, even when we aren't good. And that good father announced over Jesus, the eschatos, the, the new representation of all humanity. You are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Now, what had Jesus done for the father to be well pleased? What had he done? He just existed. He just, been. now I want you to see this. Can you hear the father saying, Novelin, you are my beloved daughter in whom I'm well pleased. And if you struggle hearing that, I promise you 100% of the time, your mind will go back to the last place you missed it. And you, you may call it the voice of the enemy. You may call it your own conscience. It'll say, that can't be true of you because you know what? You know what you watched last week. I was doing well until the enemy reminded me of my browser history. My lack of church attendance, whatever the thing might be for you. But we are not righteous. We are not sanctified. We are not saints. We are not sons based off of anything that we do. And I'm going to tell you what, as we keep journeying deeper into the new covenant, I already know what the end place is. The end result is this. It is all done, but will you see it? Jesus said on the cross to tell us it is finished. There is nothing left to be done, but will you receive it? This is the gospel. This is the gospel. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. If you're taking notes, write this down. The power of the gospel always is hidden in the tenses that are used when Paul writes. Has blessed us. You are a son who's already been blessed. You know them churches. Well, bless the Lord. I just come to get my blessing today from the Lord. What are you, what are you talking smack? <laughs> Take the microphone from him. Don't do that. Just need the Lord to bless me. I'm telling you, it is finished. Matter of fact, Jesus is sitting down right now on the right hand of the Father. You know what? My dad said, son, you don't sit down till the job's done. It is done. Recognize how blessed that we already are. Now This is my cross. Now, you can draw yours your own way, but I don't know what that is. I just put on there. But anyway, I just felt like drawing a squiggly. So there we go. There we go. You and I have a huge decision to make about how we choose to live in faith. Can you see this? Pre-cross, post-cross. Age. We get to choose which age we live in. A lot of us are living in a new covenant age with an old covenant mindset. That's frustration. We're living in a finished age, but we're all the time working. I bet that's a little rough. I'm about to say something right in my mouth. I better not say that one because that's. Before the cross, we were all the time trying. Trying to be righteous. Trying to be forgiven. Bringing another sacrifice. Dragging it to the altar. Trying to be a son. Trying to be good. Trying to be accepted. Right? Over here, the father simply says, you're my what? You're my beloved. I want to ask you this. Don't raise your hands. Are you a pre or post cross believer? I want to tell you something very dangerous. Don't you get caught living in the wrong age. If, If you died in 1930, maybe they froze you. And you woke up in 2022. And they say, uh, Sawyer, man, you've been there a long time. It's good to see you, man. It's, it's, it's amazing. I, I go wash some clothes. I'm going to say the washroom's around the corner. He's going to go back there expecting to find what? He's going to say, he's going to come back. He's going to say, uh, Josh, y'all got two metal boxes around there? Um, I don't see a washed up nowhere around there. Why? Because he was used to living in one age and woke up in another. And because he hadn't been educated or brought up to speed on what's already been done, he will be living in this age, new covenant age, with new covenant realities, yet with an old covenant mindset. Do you know how many Christians, we, guys, you don't have a choice. We are living in a new age. As a matter of fact, all the people that in in that in here that love watching TBN and Perry Stone and all the people that love talking about the end of the world, let me just let me just let me bust some bubbles for you. All of that stuff that you see on those religious TV stations about the end of the world and wars and rumors of wars and all that stuff—that is not what Jesus Christ meant when he when he when he said that stuff in the Gospels. The end of the world there is really the end of the age. You want the truth? It's the end of the age. End of what age? End of the age of law. And them being surrounded by many nations, and Jerusalem being laid down to its root, not one stone been left upon another, had nothing to do with us 2,022 years later. As a matter of fact, Jesus said all these things will happen in this generation, which happened shortly after Jesus died. In 70 AD, Rome came and surrounded them and laid that city to the dirt. He was saying that the end of the age of law is coming, but I'm going to make a new covenant with you. One where you don't got to try to be gods anymore. One where you can quit working, trying to be accepted. One where you can quit bringing all of your offerings. I'm going to give you something 10,000 times better. And this thing called sonship, this thing called beloved identity is so real to me. When you read the gospels, friend, do you recognize you're, you're, you're literally looking at a photograph of what Jesus was like when he walked the earth. Does anybody in the room know what a selfie is? Except for you, because you're from 1930. But the rest of us know what a selfie is. Let me ask you this. has anybody in the room never not taken a selfie by show of hands? Never not taken a selfie. Even the oldest person in the room taking a selfie. Wow. Oh, Taylor, I thought you were raising your hand. I was about to say, I thought, I thought you were. Raising... you never taken a selfie? My, to those who are sanctified in Christ. We got one brother in the building. I'm telling you. He's going to go home today and take one. It's going to be over. So, so when you take a picture, as soon as you take a picture, it's in the past. I don't care if you took it 10 seconds ago. It's in the past. When you read the Gospels, you are literally looking at what Jesus did, but it's past. Which, by the way... Jesus was an old covenant figure. A lot of what he said, well, actually all of what he said was for Jews. The Bible wasn't written to you. It was written for you. That's why we make the mistake of taking some things the Bible says, I'm going to apply that to my own life, brother. Go ahead, knock yourself out. If you want to take something that was written to people 2,022 years ago, knock yourself out. Jesus teaches us the new covenant didn't start till after the Cross. <laughs> Watch this now. The gospel show us a photograph of what Jesus did. How do I see what he's doing now? God took a terrorist of their day whose name was Saul, let him meet Jesus becomes converted, Saul of Tarsus becomes Paul the apostle, and Paul would go on to take the gospel to a gazillion places, it seems like, when you when you read his footprint, and Paul would write almost in every single epistle what God had done through the Son to make us sons. And every time when Paul would write about what God had done through the Son to make us sons, he would always have people with old covenant mindsets coming to fight and and try to tear up what he was trying to establish or really what jesus had established in the new covenant every time paul would leave a place old covenant mindset people would come in and say you know it's really good what paul's preaching about jesus but you still got to keep the law of moses too and that's why most churches you go in and tell you this well this is only true of you if you do this if you say this and you know what we call that we call that And the most potent drugs that lay in the world today are those that don't involve mixture. It's purity. So I'm telling you, as a son or daughter, this is who you are. You don't have to try to get blessed. You already are blessed. Listen to the tenses in the gospel. What if we could see right now, if you go to the doctor and they take a CAT scan of you, they're not telling you something that was passed. They're saying, right now, I see this in you. You don't see it, but I see it in you. Yeah, but I don't, I don't I don't. see that. That's not true. No, I'm looking on the inside of you. I'm seeing something you can't see with your natural eye. And Paul had a revelation that from Christ, he could see in us, Matthew. He could see what Christ had already accomplished. And my issue is I don't see it. I don't feel it. It can't be true. But Paul would say, no, it's true. Even when you don't see it. Even when you don't feel it. Even when, it, even when you don't see it it's working so listen to this if any man be in christ in that is a powerful preposition i want you to hear this i looked it up in my blue letter bible app i did it today with chris it means this all-inclusive literally it has all-inclusive and in parentheses it has to be in it literally says this it is a fixed indwelling it is a fixed position never to be moved And if you were considered in, here's what it means. It means you are where he is. You are what he is. You have what he has and you can do what he does. I'm going to throw this Bible, Jesus Christ. You are where Christ is. You are who Christ is or what Christ is. You have what Christ has and you can do what Christ does. It is mutual indwelling. This is so potent, guys, that the Bible would teach us this. It describes us literally as the body of Christ. Everybody say union. union. Jesus. Religion will always have us fighting a battle that's already won. Religion will always, trying to, will always have us trying to attain something that we've already been given. And religion will always have you trying to accomplish what God has already done for you. Why fight the battle if it's already fought? Why try to attain something that you've already been given? That's religion. The reason people fear the gospel is it takes every ounce of power from them, puts it back on Christ. And you know us religious folks, we always want to say we did this. We're living with resurrection realities, but yet we still living in tomb. Resurrection realities with tomb mindsets. Listen, listen, listen. How did I get in Christ? Of him, 1 Corinthians 1.30, you are in Christ Jesus. Many of us are living in the wrong age, and I want to bring you up to speed to let you know who you are. Romans 8 and 1, there is therefore now no... To those who are, there's no condemnation of those who are in Christ Jesus. If you feel condemnation for anything in your life, I can promise you this. It didn't come from Jesus. I'm going I'm to go. I'm going to really bless you with the gospel. If you leave this place today and you sin, I cussed at the man in traffic, whatever. You had a passionate conversation with your wife on the way home. You rebelled against your boss. Even condemnation you feel from that deed didn't come from Jesus. Because our God, our, our Savior, is never a shame on you, Savior. He's always a shame off of you, Savior. As a matter of fact, any place in your life where condemnation finds the freedom to be there, that's a place in your life you haven't submitted to Jesus' Lordship. Because condemnation in Christ don't do well. They don't do well co-dwelling. I said condemnation in Christ, they don't do well Co-dwelling. What about Ephesians 2.10? Y'all love this. Mike preached a phenomenal sermon on this. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We are our father's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. Come on, Taylor, man. I said we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. Where were you created? Was that after Adam or was that before Adam? Were we created in Christ after Adam or before Adam? Before. If your theology starts with a man eating from a tree... In a garden fallen, your problem is you started way too late. Your theology needs to go back further. Where Paul said, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who have blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, in whom we were chosen before the foundations of the world. I want to tell you something. You existed before you existed. And you were found in Christ before you ever had a chance to be lost in Adam. But we didn't know that. And the beauty of the gospel, friend, is that Christ Jesus was not a secondary thought to a man fallen in the garden. Christ Jesus was always God's plan A. You and me being sons and daughters was always his plan A. <laughs> Woo. I'm telling you, he wasn't waiting on you to save yourself, to sanctify yourself, to become righteous yourself. He wasn't waiting on you to dot every I and cross every T and stop sinning before you became a son. He announces over you before you do anything wrong or anything right. You are my beloved son in whom I am well what? Pleased. Now, my son, Honor, is nine years old today. It's been nine years since I announced that over him at the day of his birth. Has he done things in his nine years of living that I wouldn't have wanted him to do? Has he at times disappointed me? But has he ever in his lifetime done anything that could ever stop him from being my son? And I want to tell you something. Once you find out you're a son in the kingdom, legally you can never become unsunned. I go old covenant with you, mess you up. We should use the term all the time in church, Matt. Yeah, but I backslid, please. When you take a text out of context, what are you left with? Con. You know what I never, you never heard nobody say? Even if you thought you could backslide, he comes right behind and he says, I'm married to the backslider. I mean, I'm in so much covenant with you. You can't get away from me. I'll cross the chasm of time into eternity to come find you. I'll, 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 I'll become incarnated to come and find you. I'll wear all your limitations. I'll be tempted in sin every way as you are, yet without sin. I'll come and find you. I'll, I'll take on your greatest enemy. I'll, I'll become like you in every way. I'll die just like you're going to die to come and find you. I'll let him put me in a tomb and put the stone to the door to come and find you. You can't be separated from me. For what shall separate us from the love of Christ Jesus? He said, I'm persuaded that no height nor no death, nothing living or nothing dead, nothing present or nothing to come. He said, what can separate us from the love that is found in Christ Jesus? It is of God that you are in Christ Jesus. God made him to be for me my wisdom, my sanctification, my redemption, and my life. And when we ever get to the point that we, we got to quit trying to get to this, we got to get to this place. Don't let me lose it today, Lord. Don't let me lose it today, Lord. Don't let me lose it today, Lord. If I can get you to the point where you understand it was never up for you to keep anyway. That is the pre-K of the kingdom of God. And that is the pre-K of your identity. There was a familiar whisper of Lucifer or Satan, whatever you want to call him on the planet. He shows up in a garden whispering god speaks over his kids their identity and he says let us make mankind in our image and in the likeness of god made he them male and female just if you got any questions about that male and female if you got any questions about that male and female he created them and he makes them and he doesn't say they're good it is the only thing he spoke over he literally says you are good good and I don't know if it was months, weeks, years. They're hanging out in the garden up on the tree. And then Abba, the Satan comes along. And he tells Eve. He so what did God really say to you? Watch him whispering. What did he really say to you? What did he really say to you? He's whispering. She says, well, he said that we can eat of every tree in the garden for one and in the day that we eat that you know we're just gonna gonna die did God really say that about you he's just whispering see Satan usually works through the seed of suggestion did he really say that to you Eve I'm gonna tell you what he doesn't want you to know Eve he knows that the day you eat this fruit the thing he told you not to do Did God tell her not to eat the fruit because he was trying to keep something back from her, like he's withholding from her? Or was he trying to tell her not to do that, to give her life and to keep her whole? Of course he was trying to give her life and keep her whole. He knows that the day you eat that fruit, Eve, you're going to become like him, and your eyes are going to be open. You'll know the difference between good and evil. You're going to be like God. Oh, really? So there's something about my father that I don't have? I got to do this. And through the seed of suggestion, go, (laughs) <laughs> she gave to Adam, same thing. And they go. And the voice that they used to run toward in the garden when he would come, now they hear the voice of Abba coming, and they run and they go and they hide. And Satan made them think they were not like God when the scripture had already plainly painted the picture that they were made in his image and his likeness. Because religion will always make you try to attain or do something that's already been done for you. They were sons and daughters of God, and they had access to all that their father had given them. My God, he'd given them a whole planet to rule over. He was holding nothing back from them. And that same voice on a cross is hissing again. And he's hissing through another man on the cross And this is what the voice says. You ready for this? Really, before the cross, it it happens in the temptation of Jesus after the baptism. That same voice. If you really are a son, identity. If you really are a son, why don't you turn these stones into bread? Same hissing voice. Every temptation, if you really are a son. Do you know the one word that Satan didn't put in any of the temptations? The father didn't say over Jesus, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. He said, this is my beloved son in every temptation Satan never said if you are really the beloved son he just said I'm not even I don't have a problem with you thinking you're a son I just want you to know this I don't want you to know that you're really beloved so he left it out every temptation every temptation he left it out and he's hissing again even while he's on the cross the sonship thing comes into play he's hanging on the cross Tiffany and the guy hanging beside him says if you really are son of God If you're really the son, why don't you get yourself down? Get us off too. The same voice from Eden to the cross. And every time you have the son of God, just hang in there, man, every time. Having to believe what his father said about him, even when life looked differently. Boy, boy, I'm beyond time. Stand to your feet with me. I want you to know something, man. You are God's beloved. Come on, say I'm beloved. Come on, say I'm beloved. I'm beloved, man. I'm beloved. I want you to know something. Jesus has already died for our sin. That's a a done deal. That's a done deal. Have you believed that? (laughs) Are you waiting to get things right before you say, Jesus, I see what you've done? I'm telling you, if I were you, I would receive the life of Christ, man. I will receive the life of Christ. I no longer evangelize to try to save the world because I'm not trying to do better for the planet than what Jesus has already done. We don't evangelize to save the world. We actually evangelize to tell the world, you've already been saved. But do you know it yet? This is the gospel. This is the gospel. If you have never received the life of Christ, I want to give you an opportunity to do so. You know how you do that? He's my best friend, by the way. I simply do this. I say, Jesus, I see you as Savior. I recognize what you've done for me. You've already removed my sins. I just didn't see it, but now I see it. And I want to receive your life and start walking every day. Man, that's how you receive the life of Christ. If that's you in this room, I want to lead you in a prayer. Wait, church, would you pray this with me? Say, Lord Jesus, I see you for who you are. You're filled with life, light, and love. You remove sin from me. I believe that. I really do believe your Lord. I want to receive your life today and live every day from that position. In your name I pray. Amen. Hey, if you said that prayer today and you meant it from your heart, I would love to take a few moments and just chat with you at this service. I want you to know something, man. You are loved, and there's nothing you can do about it. And I don't care how far down you go or how high up you go. You will never alter one degree how Papa feels about us. And this is the gospel and a little of the truth of our identity. Father, I bless our family today. Thank you for moving in their homes, their marriages, and their jobs even through the life of their kids. I pray this week that they would know their life is favored and flavored by you. Let them drip with the goodness of God so that everywhere they go, men can taste and see that the Lord is good by simply interacting with them. I bless you all. In Jesus' name, ladies Thank you for taking a moment to listen in to what Jesus is doing right here at Way Family Church in Edmond, Oklahoma. If you want to be a part of helping us to continue to share the gospel, and get it out to as many people as we can. You can do that via Cash App at dollar sign Way Family Church, or you can visit our website at wayfamilychurch.com and click on the giving tab. For more information about Way Family Church, you can connect with us on all social media platforms or simply go to wayfamilychurch.com. Be blessed.